0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American Patriots and Minutemen yearning to breathe free once again to the CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here, April 19th, the anniversary of the Waco genocide by our government. Well, now we have a national Waco, we just don't realize it. We are free to breathe. But do we have freedom? And obviously the answer is there is so much more work to be done. Obviously, right after we got off the air yesterday, we had that real momentous ruling from the Florida federal judge yesterday. And yes, it did shock me how quickly that happened. But there are so many lessons to unpack here. Freedom spreads like wildfire really just as quickly as tyranny does. Everything works with momentum, especially in this era with modern communications. It's all a matter of who has more leverage, who pushes their side of the story more, and who has people on the playing field. There's a lot I want to get into about the judiciary, about what this means for the future, for other issues, and then the unfinished business when it comes to biomedical tyranny, we're going to have a guest on later today, Dr. Bean, to discuss some of that unfinished business, and that's all the people who have been poisoned. Poisoned by this so-called virus and poisoned by the shots and what we can do about that, how to diagnose, how to treat it, and then hopefully we can move on to some other things. But again, this is not over with, just because the mask so-called mandate on the plane is over with but what it does mean is that we have the momentum and rather than walking away from it let's kick them while they're down that's always our biggest weakness that we try to quit while we're ahead but you can't afford that when you're behind for so long now first thing today so many of you never wanted to come on our uh, handgun training trips because we've only had them since we've had this stupid mask mandate. Well, now that it's over with and you could fly, I want you guys to join me May 22nd, limited space available for our Patriot Academy handgun defense training course at the NRA's Whittington Center in Colfax County, New Mexico. I'm flying in to Denver. There's a couple of other ways of doing it, Colorado Springs. What is the Constitutional Defense course? Well, we study the Constitution at night. We train during the day on their beautiful ranges with some of the best firearms instructors. You're going to learn how to shoot from the hip, literally. Draw from a holster, accurate um, sight alignment, trigger control, clearing malfunctions, and And you're going to be with some of the best patriots in this country. The camaraderie is amazing. So come in, hone in on your marksmanship, your handgun skills, safety awareness. Um, Again, we'll be at the Whittington Center from May 22nd to 26th. It's 80% off the normal cost. If you go to PatriotAcademy.com slash Daniel, that's PatriotAcademy.com slash Daniel, you can meet yours truly and so many other patriots in this audience. Okay, so one of the first things to learn about this ruling from Judge Catherine Mizzell, she was a Clarence Thomas clerk. And you see what a difference it makes when you actually have a real conservative versus a fake one, which is most of them. As I've said for many years, the judges are really a reflection of the Republican Party. 90% of them are like Democrats and 10% of them are decent. But we always just assumed, oh, let, let's just get a Republican to nominate a judge." Well, whoa, it's like saying, let's get a Republican to run for office. I mean, are you getting Mitch McConnell? Are you getting Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins? Or are you getting, you know, more of a Rand Paul and then, than a, a Ron DeSantis? Okay, It makes a difference. And that's the reality. We don't have a majority of judges like this, it turns out she's a Claremont graduate. You know, Claremont's uh, program, you know, these are good people. So it's not a surprise that, uh, you know, we got this ruling from her. It's also important to note that when she came up for her nomination, she was rated as not qualified by the ABA. People like Kavanaugh if you remember, was rated as well-qualified. It's almost impossible to get a good judge who is well-qualified by the ABA. So that should almost be a requirement that they're rated not qualified, I'm not kidding, by the ABA. So that's one thing. I've always opposed judicial supremacism. I've opposed putting our freedoms in the hands of the courts. But if you're going to play the judicial game, at least nominate the right people that you're guaranteed good outcomes. So that's number one. Number two. Everything works on momentum. What what this demonstrates yesterday, more the aftermath of the ruling, is that every current big thing from the left... Its support is a mile wide, but only an inch deep. Immediately, the left seizes on something, and they try to push something. Absent any opposition, it will spread like wildfire. Because people are scared to not... They're not so much scared of the thing, they're scared of being at a place and not going along with it, not being perceived as a good person. So whether it's BLM, whether it's Ukraine... Whether it's the mask thing or the shot, everyone's going to go along with it. But did they really support it that much? And you see all these stewardesses, you know, taking off the mask and everything. And three minutes before that, they would have been yelling at people for having it, you know, a millimeter below their nose and waking up people sleeping on planes. How does that happen? Well, the, the, the reason it happens is if COVID has taught us nothing else, it's that people are sheeple. Most people will go along with what they perceive as the strongest thing on the table. Okay? So what this demonstrates is that this did not have to happen in the first place. This was never a juggernaut. Why did it take two years to fight this? Why did we have to suffer two years of of young kids on planes having to go through this and elsewhere? And frankly, there still is one place they are suffering in healthcare settings. Both workers and people with, with strong disabilities still can't see a doctor without wearing it. That needs to be the next thing that needs to be banned. Take the momentum. Have a special session now in every state legislature and ban all healthcare settings from violating, frankly, the ADA and human rights and banning those things. Kick it while it's down. Even the mask is not 100% over yet. Okay? So, remember, every Republican now is celebrating. Even Chuck Grassley on Twitter is like, this is why, you know, it's so good to appoint more Republican judges. Like, you go to that Dirtbag's Twitter feed, and you'll find in 2020, he was promoting mask wearing, like, left and right. It's no virtue to realize after the damage had already been done that suddenly it's a bad idea. This is, this is what the conservative movement is like. This is what all these like, you know, the Sean Hannity types, they're all celebrating it now. But they were on board with it. They were shaming people into it. When the ball was actually in play, when we are embedding this culturally, societally, uh, and legally on people's bodies... They were on the other side of it. The same way when they bought into the George Floyd thing, when it actually mattered. Oh, whoops, now we have a crime wave. It's terrible. Yeah, but you caused that. Oh, whoops, we supported a bunch of neo-Nazis in Ukraine that are viciously attacking people in eastern Ukraine with our weapons now, by the way, after Freedom Caucus guys pushed Biden to spend even more than he wanted to spend on them oh, well, yeah, I guess Ukraine's not such a thing. Will they ever learn? That's the big lesson here. Will the phony Republican Party and conservative movement ever learn to stop jumping on to the next current thing when you could actually stop it? Because remember, it's not over with in the sense that, oh, we realized it was illogical, inhumane, illegal, you know, the entire time. It was more, we got the right judge at the right time to say, hey, it violated the APA, you didn't have the comment and notice period properly. Basically, CDC overreached its its statutory authority. But remember, they did not go the cons- constitutional route, and I don't criticize the judge for it. I mean, obviously, if you want to achieve the outcome with the... N- you know, most narrow ruling, that's what you're going to do. And I understand that. But I'm just pointing out, it's not like this has been uprooted, that this is a human right, that it violates, you know, the Fourth Amendment. It violates, I I mean, literally, you have no right to breathe. No. It violates all the case law from the Supreme Court on bodily autonomy. No, Jacobson which means that we are slaves to the state, that is 100% intact in the courts. Just know that. Just want to make it very clear. When you say, oh, the mass mandate was unconstitutional, what she was just ruling is that, you know, CDC overstepped its authority. Okay? So the point is, we still need every state and every county to have a bodily autonomy, either county charter or constitutional amendment. This is not over with. We could have never imagined how quickly something this illogical could have come up three years ago if I would tell you they would force us to wear diapers everywhere and, and basically criminalize us for not doing it. I would have never believed you. Who knows what the next thing they'll do to our body our mind. And I guarantee you the same jerks will jump on board and fall for it the next time. But the point is... You see that. Imagine if we would have had a movement fighting this from day one. Now it's cool to say everything we said. But in the summer of 2020, we did all these shows with Stephen Petty and Kristen uh, Megan, Tammy Clark, these certified industrial hygienists, talking about the harms, certainly the lack of efficacy. It was obvious. You, you wear a bacteria trap on your mouth that God never envisioned, how could we have fallen for something that insane? And you know what? Ironically, the case actually wasn't even any of the state attorney generals. It was from one of these medical freedom groups from, uh, it was a nonprofit in Wyoming that was the, the plaintiff here. And the case was from a year ago. It took a long time. The Republican Attorneys General just got on board with suing the mass mandates. We begged them to do it. Notice they didn't touch it in 2020. They didn't touch it in 2020, 2021. It wasn't until two years later they finally touched it, and, and, and this ruling was not on one of those cases. Okay? Why did it take them this long? Everyone, everyone's like laughing. Ha, oh, ha, CDC overstepped its bounds. Well, that was obvious from day one, but they were too scared to touch it. The left is so good, especially with social media, at making something appear that it's much bigger than it is. That's what special operators do. If they operate in an area, you know, they don't come with a, 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 a 10,000 troops. They come with, you know, a team of 12, 15 people. They make it appear like there's more of them. That's what the other side does. But our supposed side falls for it every time. Now, one of the ways they do that is by having the corporate world promote their nonsense and make us appear that it's basically unanimous. Every day we hear another corporation tormenting their employees with leftist propaganda, funding organizations that hate our values. Well, that's why I'm proud to support Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They offer the same nationwide coverage that as the other carriers, so it's not like you have to sacrifice by boycotting. Um, you'll get the same service plus, plus the peace of mind that they support your values. They also have, you know, often you need to deal with customer service probably more than anything else when you have a phone provider. They are 100% U.S.-based, so they all speak English. They share your values, and they support organizations that support our freedoms, sanctity of life, constitutional rights. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with the offer code CR. Veterans and first responders will save even more. So switch today with the peace of mind that you are supporting a company that loves America, loves you, and shares your values. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR. That's patriotmobile.com slash CR as in conservative review or call 972-PATRIOT. So, folks, imagine if we had a movement behind every issue like this, that at every inflection moment, we made the intellectual case, the moral case, the legal case, and it wasn't just three of us, you know, with smaller audiences kind of yelling from the back while Fox News is doing this. You know, you you look at illegal immigration. It just came out that in March, there were 220,000 apprehensions, the most in history. Most of them were released into the country. We always think, oh, Daniel, we we, we can't do this. It's not, I don't know. You can't have states deport. Yes, you can. Just go do it. Go do it. You make the case. The people aren't supportive of that. I'm sick of hearing that something is not politically feasible. Yes, it is. Yes, it is feasible. We always think that this is the problem. There's this mindset among conservatives often that oh you know we're the minority it's not achievable and maybe there are some things that are like that with the brainwashed culture and education system but not as far as the left wants to take it and not the issues that we're confronted with today and how radical and destructive they are we didn't have to give up the culture war the last 17 15 years to the rainbow jihad You know, that's one area where we are seeing for the first time in a generation, we are gaining ground and pushing back with the whole groomer stuff. The Florida governor's called a special session or extended the current one on redistricting to now deal with taking away Disney's, um, uh, their, their, their autonomous governance in that, you know, part of Orange County there, which should have never been granted to them. So not only did he not give in to Disney, for the first time ever, he's actually going after them for promoting grooming. This is how it's done. It doesn't have to be this way. And the notion that we had to wait for a judge like it's kind of bittersweet. it's it's the right conclusion, but the, the wrong means again i'm'm I'm, I'm for using every any and every lever of power to push back what they illegally did. And I don't mind using the courts. But my point is, it's like the government could go and, you know, announce we're going to rape every female conservative in America. And we'll sit and take it for two years until we get like a, you know, an injunction from a judge. Really? I mean, that's what we need. Again, in some ways, I'm bothered by it. I don't blame the judge. I mean, she's right. And again, if you're going to have a judicial intervention in a major public policy issue, this is the, the way you're going to have it because you're criminalizing the breathing of a human being. You know, the other side's throwing back at us. Oh, I thought you hated judicial supremacism. No, that's like all the judges that mandated, like in Knoxville, that you have to wear bondage. Here, or like the equivalent would be if our judge would say you're not allowed to wear a mask. No, you are welcome to do whatever you want. You have the right to petition a judge when your rights, not BS rights, but real rights, up until now your own body are in jeopardy to just grant relief. So I don't mind that, but I'm just saying what I do mind is this notion that you could have something that is as unconstitutional as anything imaginable, and yet it could persist for two years. And again, they made no exceptions for people with disabilities, rape victims, PTSD, children two, three, four years old. We allowed that to go on. Oh, a judge says so, I guess it must be unconstitutional. In many respects, I was hoping they would defy it. It just scares me the power of a judge. Look, if they're gonna use it, I'm happy to use it where we can benefit from it. I'm just saying it scares me the psyche that it's like, you know, they'll, they'll say, you have to walk around buck naked. And people will literally do it until a judge tells them it's okay not to. What? Where's the spirit of self-governance? So that's what scares me. But the point I want to impress upon you is that we don't have to take this crap. We don't have to sit there and take it. Don't assume, oh, we can't do this. Oh, a state can't do this, Daniel. That's a federal thing. No. If nothing else, what I've learned is that we are not governed by the rule of law. We are governed by the rule of political will. Whoever has it at the given time wins. When the perception was that something has the momentum, the judges won't touch it. When the perception is the other way, they will. When everyone's terrified your head will be bitten off, they won't take off their mask. When it was perceived that it's okay because judges' rulings carry this enormous juggernaut with with the American people, they took it off. That's what it tells you. It was just, just as unconstitutional two years ago. It's like nothing changed. Meaning even if you believe Congress could do it, which of course they can't, it was the same executive order back then as it was now. Nothing changed. But there was a perception that it was losing its momentum. Perception's reality. It's all a matter of political will. And it just tells me it doesn't have to be this way. We could do this on illegal immigration. We could do this on crime. We could do this on the homosexual agenda. We could do this on state autonomy. We need to break out of this box that Fox News, the Fox News conservative movement presents us with. The false dichotomies are these are your choices. This is who you must vote for. You can't elect a guy like this. You can't uh, propose ideas like this. You can't succeed. No, no. And the more you do it, and the more it wins, the more people go along with it. People like winners. It's a similar thing to, you know, I I always complain bitterly in the primaries. Why is it that people will only vote for a primary challenger if they perceive he has a chance? Well, do you like the incumbent or not? But that's kind of how people roll. People are not very ideological, for better or for worse. I mean, usually for worse, but that's how they are. They'll go with the flow. The left manipulates that masterfully. There's no reason we can't do that to our advantage. That's what this whole saga has taught me. It doesn't have to be this way. You think everyone supports everything until they don't. But what the left is so good at is that they know it will take a long time to muster opposition. And in the meantime, the Republican Party will jump on board. Remember, don't think it's over with. If they come up with a new virus, and and believe me, they could make a really deadly one, they could get people to start wearing them in three seconds. Don't think that can't happen again. So we have not uprooted it from society, from the body politic, and from the law. The best time to do that is now. Don't let it go. And then, of course, speaking of judges and courts and this not being over with, the vaccine is not over with. So even if the mask is, there's a lack of empathy from people. Especially with the plane now, everyone's like, oh, wow, we're free, this is great. So a good number of people now never have to wear a mask. They didn't have to get a shot. They didn't have to do anything. And, and life is good. I mean, you have inflation, you have illegal immigration, you have other stuff. But in terms of the COVID fascism. But what about the people in the military that are getting kicked out for not getting a shot? That is as harmful as anything. What about all those people. That, that can't get treatment. For injury. Because we can't even diagnose it. Because of the censorship. You know the same day. We had two horrible. Supreme Court rulings. I mean they weren't really rulings. They were just denials of appeals. This is from Forbes. New York City's COVID-19 vaccine mandate for public school employees will be allowed to stand as the U.S. Supreme Court Monday declined to hear a challenge brought by four teachers who alleged the policy violated the right to practice their profession. The court rejected the case without comment or any indication if any of the judges would have taken it up. I'm sure the the three would have, but we've already gone through this, so they just didn't bother to say anything. But again, this is the difference between the Clarence Thomas types and the Kavanaugh Barrett's of the world. So we still have a Supreme Court that is saying you could be forced to put something in your body against your religious beliefs. And remember, these are public school teachers. There are so many things we say that you have to accommodate them with, but not this. Then you had um, a military case. Supreme Court ruled Monday that the Pentagon can take disciplinary action against the lieutenant colonel in the Air Force Reserve who refused to follow the mandate due to religious objections. I mean, even Jacobson was only state. I thought, you know, so the New York City thing, so they'll say, well, that's Jacobson. But this is federal. Feds have power to do that? Well, Daniel, it's military. Yeah, but they did it even the non-military. They upheld the CMS mandate. So that was civilian. Jonathan Dunn had said he sought emergency relief to protect himself from further punishment, including discharge. Um, the unsigned order did not provide the court's reasoning, but noted that Justices Clarence Thomas, Sam Alito, and Neil Gorsuch dissented, and they would have... Um, granted an injunction pending the appeal. And don't forget that last month, the Supreme Court also swatted down or actually reversed a lower court opinion on Navy SEALs that said the Navy can consider vaccine status when determining deployments. All for something that is harmful. So folks, the fight's not over with. The fight's not over with. Republicans gave up all their leverage. Could you imagine if all the states now would stand up? Every governor would hold a press conference on this. Because everyone knows, now that they know the mask is garbage, they'll know the vaccine's garbage. Point all to all the data. I have a whole data piece out on Walgreens today. Walgreens testing data. Negative efficacy beyond belief. It didn't have to be this way. If it's someone like me yelling from the back, yeah, it's not going to go very far. You have every Republican governor and senator get up there and all these like Fox News level people get up and say what I'm saying. You better believe it would have its impact. By the way, before we get to our guest on diagnosing some of these problems, look at this. Well, 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 Dr. Paul Offit. He's an immunologist, pediatrician at Philadelphia Children's Hospital he wrote a letter to the New England Journal of Medicine. He was basically saying, well, he didn't want to out and admit the boosters were a failure, but he wanted to say we, we should they're not risk-free. That's what he said. They're not risk-free, and we need to clarify which groups most benefit. Look what he said. So he admitted that, for example, boys and men between 16 and 29 years of age are at increased risk for myocarditis caused by mRNA vaccines, and all age groups are at risk for the theoretical problem of an original antigenic sin a decreased ability to respond to a new immunogen because the immune system has locked on to the original immunogen. An example of this phenomenon can be found in a study of non-human primates showing that boosting with an Omicron-specific variant did not result in higher titers of Omicron-specific neutralizing antibodies than did boosting with ancestral strain. The potential problem could limit our ability to respond to a new variant. So all the things that we mentioned early on, one by one, even the great cheerleaders are admitting. Yet to this day, in every National Guard, forget about the um, military, the state guards, red states, they're being forced to get this. Still going on. Most states who still have hospitals are able to force their workers even get third shots. You still have people being denied treatment, denied kidney transplants for not getting second, third shots. This is still going on. So don't walk away from it. This is a great victory. But if you understand the mechanics behind it, you'll realize that now is the time to strike while the iron is hot. And then... In the coming weeks, I want to extrapolate this to other issues. Just know it doesn't have to be this way. But I do want to get to our special guest. We're already kind of late in, I don't want to cheat him out on time. So last year, we had on Dr. Mobin Syed, known as Dr. Bean, a really amazing medical educator. Educator, that's what we need these days. It's so easy to walk away. From what's going on, oh, we don't have to wear a mask anymore, our lives are back to normal. But for a lot of people, their lives are not back to normal. And it's not just the mandates that there's people being kicked out of the military um, because the mandates are still there and they affect a lot of people, healthcare workers, but also the ailment. You know, Dr. Bean last time discussed uh, innovation in COVID treatment, but then there's the long term there's long COVID and there's long vaccine injury. And obviously, we know a lot more than we knew last time we had him on. But if we walk away from this, we're not going to know anything. And if we don't study it, I don't think we get the impression that the NIH wants anyone else to study it either. And we're going to get to the bottom of this issue. You know, what exactly does the spike protein do to you? What do the lipid nanoparticles do to you? What do you need to watch out for? What sort of labs should you get? Dr. Bean is, I'm so glad I found this YouTube channel. If, you, if you're if you not a subscriber, you have to go to Dr. Bean Medical Lectures on YouTube. Um, I'm going to warn you, it's it's not something that you can just listen to while you're doing other work. You have to give it your full attention. But if you do, it is understandable to a He explains all of the pathophysiology of different pathogens, how your immune system works. I've learned so much from it. Um, he was one of the doctors promoting early treatment early on, and now he's dealing with late treatment, vaccine injury, and this does affect millions of people. Dr. Bean, thanks so much for returning once again to Blaze Media.
1: Daniel, thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much for this blowing review as well.
0: Well, there's nothing quite like it. I mean, you know, I I wish doctors would watch it, not just laymen, because, uh, You know, the education really does need to continue. That's one thing I've learned. Um, You know, to me, a doctor was a doctor, and they always, in my mind, knew what there is to know about medicine. And then I realized, oh, wait, a lot of them don't study after medical school. And if there's a new therapeutic, a new idea in treatment, and they're unaware of it, uh, they don't necessarily learn. So um, you're doing a great service. I want to really start off with – Look, there's a myriad of uh, safety signals that we're seeing from these shots. We now know Pfizer had nine pages worth of documented ailments and maladies that they saw, totaling about 1,500 to 2,000 from what I can see. So we can go on forever. But of all the things you're seeing, both from the VARES data, the studies put out, what concerns you the most long-term in terms of the damage from the spike protein or, or any other aspect of the shot?
1: So um, I would discuss, uh, if, if you don't mind, three main things that I feel worried about, I feel nervous, or I keep thinking. Enough thinking that it even distracts me sometimes from my regular work. The three things are the following. Number one, in terms of vaccines. The autoimmune diseases that have been triggered, unmasked, or surfaced because of vaccines. And why did I use all those terms? In some people's case, the autoantibodies or autoidiotypical antibodies, as we call them, can start a new autoimmune disease. In some people's cases, they may already have allergies or autoimmune diseases, and the vaccine-generated immunity or vaccine-causing extra immunity would then trigger these, and these just continue to go on. And the third, oh, sorry, the another possibility with the vaccines is the spike protein connecting with ACE2 other than where it is supposed to, for example, in the deltoid muscle and the lymph nodes as we saw in the recent studies that the exosomes carrying the pieces of spike protein are are circulating in the blood. Although the researchers said that this is a good thing because then these exosomes go go to spleen and in the spleen they get picked up by the immune cells and the response occurs. But these spike proteins and exosomes will go in the other tissues as well, I presume, and would cause damage. We already know that spike protein by itself When it binds to ACE2, it not only occupies that receptor, it causes inflammatory signal changes, which leans the body towards pro-inflammation and causes damage. So the first thing that I am really worried about is that there is no help. There is no recognition. There is not even an acknowledgement that this is what is happening, and we continue and by we are health care administrators they continue to sweep these things under the rug as by saying these are their events i know the patients who every single one of them is going through these injuries their life is upside down and you know that there are some folks who are committing suicides even so mm. this is a tragic situation and we are only going to see more and more of this in the coming days, as we come out of the shell shock of the pandemic, and we look back and we look at ourselves and the possible injuries that we've gotten. So, so this is huge for me. Wow.
0: The second. So, so I just want to sum that, up with with autoimmune, um, auto antibodies. Yeah. Are you saying that you know a lot of people? And I thought this as a layman to begin with, that antibodies were one of the most positive concepts in the, Engli- in the English language. Uh, you know, it's like, that's the cure. The Superman taking that yeah. pill after the kryptonite. We all love antibodies. But I guess to make it very simple, antibodies are good in the right place at the right time in the right amount, right?
1: That is correct. So the, the thing is, this, just like allergies, that of the population does not respond to certain allergens and then 20% respond really badly. And there are some genetic predispositions or or hygiene theory. There 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 are many thoughts about why that happens. It is a similar thing with the vaccines or anything that would trigger immune system. Now, vaccines are designed to trigger immune system. They're designed to poke the immune system, so the immune system becomes mad and becomes ready and becomes trained fast. In that process, there there is a hypothesis from 1974, there was a Dr. Neil Jones. His theory is nowadays called network hypothesis, and Dr. William Murphy had actually discussed it in one of his studies. His theory was that when our body produces antibodies, then our body's job is also to remove those antibodies. And to do that, it produces anti-antibody, meaning another antibody against this antibody to wipe these out. And then they both clear each other out. In the case of vaccines, if you apply the network hypothesis, that means we end up creating, imagine the spike protein comes in, we create an antibody against the spike protein, all good so far, then our body creates another antibody against its own antibody. Of course, this other antibody is going to look like spike protein because they have to be mirrors of each other. So when the antibody is produced in our body, which looks like a spike protein, imagine what antibody would do. That would go and get connected in various parts and even trigger H2s and cause inflammations. So in some people they're observing that these antibodies actually go away over time, a couple of months later. But in many people, in some people, they do not. The result is they could end up with a long-term autoimmune disease. And one more point, Daniel, I know we are short in time as well. When we trigger our immune system and we make memory cells to be able to train them, we have trained them, and now to be able to fight the virus in the future, some of these memory cells end up in the bone marrow. This is their function. This is their job to go in the bone marrow and live there. That is how they become durable for years. But the problem is, if we send antibodies there, the cells, or as we call them, anti-idiotypical antibodies, in the bone marrow, guess what is living in the bone marrow now? In the bone marrow, there are B cells living that are going to produce antibodies that are going to be attacking our H2s. And we cannot get rid of these cells in the bone marrow. Their job is to live there. This is their normal job, to live there forever. And if they have to come against our body because of the mechanism I just described, then we're going to stay that way forever. That means people will keep getting relapses of autoimmune disorders again and again. Mm. This is a huge problem.
0: You know, it's interesting, the only country that I've seen that actually took the time and effort to try to quantify how many people are in distress was Israel. The health ministry did a survey on on those that got boosters, and what I found amazing, based on what you're saying, I reminded me of this, roughly 24% of the people in the survey with pre-existing autoimmune disorders uh, said they experienced a relapse. 5 to 10% of those with diabetes, hypertension, lung, and heart disease reported a worsening of their condition. And I've spoken to a lot of doctors, and the biggest thing I hear is a uh, reactivation of Epstein-Barr. Are you seeing that? Yep.
1: Yeah. So, absolutely. And I have actually done a series about that as well, and this, thank you for bringing it up. So here is what happens. Again, I'm a mechanisms. guy If we don't understand as healthcare professionals the mechanisms, we cannot even think about how to manage them. Then we'll be sitting on a wayside to say, okay, CDC, FDA, tell us what to do and we'll follow your protocol because we are not able to understand what's going on. Here is what happens. Epstein-Barr virus is present in some immune cells, which those cells themselves are present in the bone marrow. Now, Epstein-Barr virus can relapse every once in a while. However, when we give a vaccine, and the vaccine generates these immune system training cells or trains immune system, some of those cells, as I mentioned, will go and start living in the bone marrow. At the same time, of course, when the vaccine is generating the immunity, there is an inflammatory markers flood that occurs. Now, these cells that are in the bone marrow they also produce these inflammatory markers there as well. And what happens is their surrounding cells become activated. So guess what is the surrounding cells? Some of the surrounding cells have EBV in them or EBV genes in them. So as soon as they become accidentally activated, Mm -hmm. they start producing EBV and the patient goes in a relapse. Now, if these memory cells against the SARS-CoV-2 that are sitting in the bone marrow continue to relapse, and this is a normal behavior of the immune system to go in cycles, but now every time they cycle, they would trigger the other immune cells present in the bone marrow as well, resulting in reactivations, and that is what is happening.
0: Wow, and that's the, This is a lot of people. We're not talking about a limited shot to a limited population. You know, when you when I was looking at these numbers, you know, in Israel, 4.5 percent experienced neurological. I, inflammatory disorders, and even 0.5%, you know, 0.5, experience Bell's palsy. Again, I mean, we've had a 560 million doses in the United States, so even if it's a relatively low percentage, a lot of people that need help. So autoimmune, obviously, is the big category, that, that rolling inflammation. Um, what's category number two? So the category number two, I want to add one more comment
1: in this category mm-hmm. and then go to the number two. The... The sad part of this all is that these folks are not offered any help. They are having to do their own researches. They are having to spend their own money to try to figure out how to be be treated. They are having to find their own doctors. They are having to do their own naps from their own pocket. And some of the labs are not here in the U.S., for example, cell trans labs for the NTA's do are not available here and they have to ship the blood over. It seems to me as we have made our processes and our attack of this problem 100 years old, yet people are on their own. And that really worries me. It really bothers me when I see people spending thousands of dollars and still not feeling well If you spent $1,000 and next month you're good, fine. But this is a continuous struggle. So anyways, that is the wrapping up of my first point. The second thing that really uh, scares me nowadays and a proof that came out with this uh, unexplained, unexplained hepatitis in children, that is that during the pandemic, we were under lockdown and majority of us were in the lockdown, sometimes by mandates and sometimes by volunteer, volunteering to do that. The result of that is the, in immunology, there is a theory called hygiene theory. Hygiene theory is that some of the autoimmune disorders are more prevalent in richer, cleaner countries compared to less clean countries. For, and this is not an offense. This is more of a theory that I'm discussing. And so the hygiene theory says that those individuals that are less exposed to pathogens, they have less capability of handling them as well, because their immune system stays naive about them. So they fall in to the infection more easily. Number one, number two, because the immune system cells are just sitting around doing nothing, they start attacking their own cells by accident, and the autoimmune disor- disorders are more in richer. More privileged countries as well. This is called the hygiene theory. Now, imagine for the last two years, what have we done? We have brought everyone to a beautiful hygiene, stay at home, no exposure to anyone, no um, interaction that would create some pathogen exchanges. And the result is we are coming out with the best possible hygiene in the last 50, 60 years. The unexplained hepatitis, if I can link it to that, these are children who are between three to five years of age and they are getting hepatitis with possibly adenovirus. Our state of Alabama says that it is associated with adenovirus out of 10 patients who who became or who had hepatitis, nine of them had adenovirus. And Scotland said it is hypothesized that this is adenovirus. And the reason Scotland's uh, health ministry said was, health administration, they said that because these children had been in the lockdown and they were not exposed to the adenovirus earlier or in their previous years, and imagine that they're three years old, so almost the whole time in pandemic. So they never met others, they never had any exchange of infections or pathogens. And now when they're coming out and meeting other children or other people, and that is giving them infections, they are developing severe outcomes, just like we developed severe severe outcomes to SARS-CoV-2 because we were naive about it. We are immune systems. So my second worry is that how many kinds of outbreaks are going to occur now as the societies open or reopen, as the people start mingling, younger children are going to be more at risk because they are already—their life is short yet, right? Three years, four years, five years. So their span of exposure to infections is less. So that's the second part that really worries me.
0: So so you're saying this is not necessarily the vaccine directly, although, again, it um, could—you know, there could be issues with the immune system. But you're saying it's almost like the bubble boy, the bubble baby, uh, where you put everyone in a bubble— and you um, inhibit that natural immunological ecosystem from from you know grinding forward. Uh, but I guess partially the reason why kids are so uh, do so well with this virus to begin with is because in the past we hadn't done things like this and we allowed their immune system to develop. So now everyone is so sterile and pristine, and we always you know you have that that uh, purell everywhere, and people stays cool. stay away from each other. Now you put them back together. Um, and you have just a relapse of all these illnesses, and then you're saying this possibly could be the hepatitis. Um, and uh, correct more. me correct me if I'm wrong, endovirus I thought was not a big deal typically. You know, it's often in the summer, kids yeah. get a little fever, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was normal and okay, right? Not a very big concern. But these children, so you and I are not at risk too much of this, because even if we were under lockdown, let's say for two years, we have spent our whole life collecting these pathogens and immunity against them. But those children whose majority of life is spent under lockdown, now when they are emerging, as you said, bubble babies, now when they're emerging, they really are at risk of every single, uh, even innocent virus, because they're going to have to deal with it and their body may not know, know yet. So that I that worries me because it could be children who will become stuck in this.
0: Wow. That that that's something I think a lot of us have forgotten about since the lockdowns ended. But that, that makes a lot of sense. Kids have a very strong innate immune system, so it could hold them over right while they develop their adaptive immune system. And I guess from a policy standpoint, we denied the existence of the strong innate immune system and then damaged their uh, ability to get acquired immunity. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's a travesty. And, and, you know, I never knew anything about immunology, but the more I learned, this seems very obvious. It's just shocking how this was not thought about. Um, and it just, it, it really bothers me the lack of critical thinking in the medical profession, because I think a lot of us feel like we could think for our, ourselves on a lot of issues, but when it comes to this, it's highly technical and you trust your doctor. Um, but now no one knows who to trust. And I think that's a whole nother discussion we have to get into at some point with medical education. Um, but your third thing, okay, I want to guess, is it cardiac? <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> so I was going to go there. Correct. So let me, uh present my third case and I'll use myocarditis as an example to present my case. The the case, let me give you the punchline for the case. The case is healthcare authorities need to sit down, acknowledge the vaccine-related side effects, lingering ones, do a cost-benefit analysis again for various ages, ethnicity, socioeconomic statuses, geographies, various body habitats, for example, vitamin D or yes or no, or diabetes, yes or no, cancer, yes or no, and once again decide who will benefit the most with the vaccine and who will not, not benefit, who will get injured the most. And here is an example. Now I'm going to use the myocarditis. You know that the myocarditis discussion, when it it originated about a year and a half ago, at that, that time there was a vehement struggle from the authorities to just deny it and simply say this is just, you know, scientists being upset. I believe this became a discussion of UK scientists and German scientists and they're saying German scientists are just trying to put UK's vaccines in the spot and blah. And the US just did not even talk about it. And I remember when I started talking about myocarditis and the thrombocytopenia, I got a lot of heat because people started saying, you are an anti-vaxxer, you are creating hesitation. But I'm a doctor. I have to figure these things out and discuss them. Because if a person on a on a TV channel who's not a doctor, who's a pundit, he can start talking about medicine and giving advice. I am a doctor. I'm not giving an advice, but I should be able to at least discuss these mechanisms to inform people.
0: Sure. And and also, I would just add, it's very sophomoric what a lot of people are saying. Um, It's like saying you're pro taxes, or you're pro medicine, you're pro drugs. I mean, what type and what amount? I mean, you could have a lot of very good ones, but you could have one that just was, you know, developed some problems, and you got to deal with it. Absolutely.
1: So what happened was they these topics were kind of under the rug under the rug, said it is really rare and if this happens we'll be okay and so on but recently there was a study from, I'm just going to very quickly open the study, I believe the study was uh, let me look at the PDF to tell you exactly from this one, so this study is printed in JAMA and it said myocarditis cases reported after mRNA COVID-19 vaccine in the U.S. from December 2020 to August 2021, so very large time frame. And what they found was that the expected cases of myocarditis in the children under 15 years of age were 133 times more. Sorry, I said it wrong. The cases of myocarditis in vaccine uh, receivers 133 times more than we expected. Now, there is another article which I discussed in one of my videos where the American Academy of Pediatrics had said that the cases of myocarditis in children are 37 times more than expected when the children get COVID. Mm. So now, think about it for a second. There is an expected rate, and that is 0.5 cases per million. Then The American Academy of Pediatrics says that if a child gets COVID, they have a chance of 37 times more chance of getting the myocarditis compared to expected. And then if they get a vaccine, their chance is 133 times more. So saying that, hey, they are equal or the COVID would cause more myocarditis than the vaccine is actually incorrect. However, and this is a JAMA study, it's not a conspiracy theory from somewhere. I'm not, I don't follow conspiracy theories and I don't go in those rabbit holes. But here's the deal. When I saw this, I did not see any recalibration yes. of the messaging from this from our healthcare administrators to say, guys, one vaccine efficacies are dropping fast. UK's report was, that this is their official study, that vaccine efficacy nowadays drops down to about 10% within two months. And we also saw another study that said that the vaccine efficacy almost drops down to 1% within two months. So if the efficacy drops down to this low a percent, that means you're going to keep asking the people to go take a booster. And if the vaccine has a 133 times higher possibility of or association with myocarditis, then really what we are telling the youngsters is that you keep getting exposed to a chance of myocarditis. This sure, is what bothers me.
0: And it's also important to keep in mind that that most kids seem to have already gotten COVID, so you know they should be immune. and And correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought these current variants are less pathogenic in the lungs, less hematological. Um, you know, Omicron seems to be a little bit more upper respiratory and these new ones are almost seem to be GI symptoms to a certain extent. So this data that we have on myocarditis triggered by the pathogen, we would probably have to redo that with the new variants, whereas the shot's the same.
1: Absolutely. So this is what I was saying for this point number three, that I am not seeing our healthcare authorities. Say the data. There is more data now. There is a different variant now. There is a different behavior of the vaccine in children, for example. There's a different behavior of the virus in children, for example. And based on all of that, guys, here is the data. Here is the processing that we did. Here is our guideline to say maybe, and I'm now uh, providing an opinion. I may be wrong that they should do this or not, but. Maybe they should come out and they should say, you know, in children, only those children that are at risk because of comorbidities, they should get the vaccine because it could protect them. But, and the risk-benefit analysis is useful. On the other hand, those children who are healthy, maybe they should not get these vaccines yet. The Omicron is going down as well. So this is their duty to do this data analysis and have the, that discussion. That is not what is happening. And it just bothers me that we are having to have these discussions. We, uh, people have to listen to you and listen to me and listen to another 10 people and then connect their own dots. Yes. How tragic is that?
0: Because to me, this is just basic logic. I I don't like anecdotes, and none of us do. But after a certain period of time, when you understand the pathophysiology, then you see the anecdotes, and you see some studies. You put it all together, and you're like, wait a minute. Who's to say this isn't a lot worse? So, for example, the FDA asked Comirnaty, when they gave them their BLA, they wanted them last year to conduct a study on subclinical myocarditis and, and they were resistant because Pfizer said, well, we don't we don't know how to define it. And I think on on clinicaltrials.gov there is a study, but it's going to come due July 2023. And the FDA cited a study for one of the smallpox vaccines that seemed to cause myocarditis um, that they felt the subclinical rate was 60 times higher. And what I'm scared about, I want to know if you share this concern. So we're seeing these sports players drop left and right, and it almost seems like it's intensifying. And these younger people getting heart attacks, blood clots. Again, it's hard to trace it back fully, but something abnormal seems to be going on. And you look at theirs, and we're now at 60% of the myocarditis reports of 2021, just after the first quarter of 2022, even though the the uptake of the shots has been much slower the last few months. So my question is, is there a concern that there were a lot of people last year that seemed to skate by, they seemed fine, it's not like within a few days or a week they experienced chest pain or something, they were fine, Um, but it was subclinical, it was there, an EKG wouldn't pick it up, Um, a stress test would be fine, but To speak to your previous point, that you know they don't pay; they're not they're not going to cover an expensive cardiac MRI. But a cardiac MRI might have picked it up, and then now, boom, it it jumps up on them. Maybe six months later, is that a possibility?
1: So uh, I will respond with a with a study that was done recently on the children who got myocarditis and their MRIs after three to eight months. The study is from the U.S. And the study showed that they had, I think, a small number of children, 13 or or I believe 37 or so, a small number. I do not remember the exact number, but small. All these patients who had myocarditis, some of them were more severe, some of them were not. However, three to eight months later, when they did follow up MRIs on them, all of them Still had cardiac function um, that had not improved. Mm. So uh, cardiac function can be seen in many ways. that is the cardiac output. So of course the if we look at cardiac output, children were discharged from the hospital because their outputs were, had returned back to normal plus their troponin levels had gone down, their EKGs were fine, their symptoms had resolved. So cardiac output is not the only one measure because um, our heart when it is damaged it continues to try to produce good output and children are resilient and the tissues are new and they can recover good. However three to eight months later they showed that the uh, uh what is that dye was still showing that the length of the heart was not reducing quickly so when we pump our heart reduces the length and diameter and to, mm. to squeeze and push the blood out. And all of them still did not have a full recovery that their length reduction would become correct. And so that worried me that what are these children going to experience in the future? These are children, they are somebody, somebody's going to become a sportsman and a woman, or somebody's going to become an Olympian and somebody's going to do some stressful business thing. And have we exposed their hearts to reduce the heart capability of providing this buffer for the stress types? So that is my answer. The, if we ask in general that is it possible that today there is a the person who got vaccine and six months later they got damaged, I think that is less possible. But if today they got the vaccines and within four or five weeks they started developing an autoimmune outcomes, then two weeks later they had developed myocarditis. Then there is a chance that they they would continue to struggle with cardiac issues. How severely? How many times? What is that number of? What is that percentage? Again, this is something that our healthcare authorities that have the data should produce these numbers and show these numbers instead of we thinking and getting scared and speculating.
0: Wow. No, and that's the thing. And so we're forced to grope in the dark on our own. Now, we we blew all the time on the problems. We'll have to come back more later with the solutions. But I just want to end off with, if I, if you were king for a day, and you had all the money in the world to play around with, what are some of the labs and diagnostics you would do? So, for example, let's start with cardiac. When you have especially young males, and you want to know... Hey, how how prevalent is this? How many people were injured? Is it cardiac MRIs? Is it troponin levels? What would you how would you try to uh see the extent of heart damage and and how prevalent it is in the population?
1: Yeah, so if I just kind of expand it, that what are the things to be done that I can recall now to kind of see the help to kind of give them a clean bill of health? Um, there are some invasive things that, that are my curiosities and I'm still trying to figure out how do we figure that out. So here is what I will do. Imagine if you ask me that maybe go do the, some tests on yourself and come back and tell us how healthy or not healthy you are. Number one, I would be very curious to understand what is my autoimmune status. And for that there is I think it's gonna be impossible to do, but a bone marrow biopsy would tell me if I have the B cells sitting in there that are causing relapses. And sadly, if they're there, there is no simple solution to remove them other than trying to suppress the bone marrow. So that is one. And that would be the root of the autoimmune disorders that people might get for the rest of their life. So I would be curious to figure that out, number one. Number two, I would love to get the MRI of the heart, echo of the heart, of course you could the exercise test under observation and troponin levels and then the gadolinium tests and those profiles. In addition, I would for sure do the anti AS two antibodies because that I believe is the route to understand if the auto antibodies or autoimmune system is is hurting us. I would also do the antibodies to understand, antiplatelet antibodies to understand the thrombotic propensity. Mm. I would also look at the pancreas to see if the insulin production is correct, because sometimes what happens is that pancreas may have actually become hurt, but it would continue to produce insulin as we need, because its tissue had a larger uh, number of cells. But those cells are really at buffers near the older age. But if we have burnt through them already, then the people would develop diabetes earlier. And this has happened in SARS CoV One, for example, that some people developed diabetes ten years earlier. Are we causing any of such issues? Then the most important part is neurological disorders.
0: Yes. So Nerve
1: conduction studies. Yes. Inflammatory markers.
0: Six, that's Inflammatory that's, markers. So, eight. so, so. Let's just. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot about that. We talked about autoimmune. Um, obviously we talked about, uh, you know, just in general the bubble boy phenomenon, and then and then the the cardiac issues, but the neurological, and that's common both with the, uh, long COVID and 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 long vaccine, I guess. Um, let's l- yeah. l- let's walk me through this with one malady. Let's pick a malady. Uh, tinnitus. Uh, there's there's something like we're up to I think it's close to twenty five thousand in theirs and this is something even the media has acknowledged um, in, in a number of articles this seems to be very very common people are driven to suicide they don't they don't know what silence even feels like anymore this is a big one what sort of things would you explore with yeah. someone who has something like tinnitus or migraines things like that
1: yeah so first of uh, uh, The most important thing for me is the following, and I always do this with the patients and listeners, and of course to your audience as well, that this is not something that is just psychological. This is not just in people's heads. I was speaking with a patient yesterday over Zoom, and she is a very, very successful woman and very decorated in her field. And she was crying over the phone. And her, the reason for her cry was not that just the symptoms were there. Her reason for crying was even her own mother said it to her, you are just depressed. It's all in your head.
0: Mm. So
1: what happens is when these inflammatory markers, and I would explain a little more in a second, but when the brain inflammation occurs or when the brain's function is disrupted, then of course the function of the brain is our mood our personality, our decisions, our memory. So what is it that, if you get an injury in your hand, what will be affected? Your hands function. If there is a problem in the brain, what would be affected? Our behaviors. So when somebody has vaccine or COVID related neurological issues, their behavior and psychological profile would change as well. It is understandable. So just calling them that you're too depressed or you have just, you're making up this, this is all in your head, go get the head checked. So here is what happens. Uh, so far, there, there are theories, there is no uh, straight answer yet. But uh, fortunately, the I recover protocol that is present in FNCCC and the uh, management there has been helping a lot of people. Here is what's happening. There is a theory that the inflammatory markers or inflammatory molecules that are produced outside of the brain would then trickle in the brain as well. And over there, brain has its own immune system tissues. Brain doesn't like immune system cells to come from the remaining body into the brain. Or it doesn't like the cells to go out. It has a protective boundary all around and it has its own environment. Imagine mm. brain being its own body. Now, when the... Inflammatory molecules enter the brain. They go and trigger the glial cells or the immune cells sitting inside the brain and those glial cells then in turn become active and start just wreaking havoc in the brain. The result of that is there is inflammation in the brain and there is dysfunction in the brain, which can then turn into various kind of problems. But the most common problems that I'm seeing are number one, people saying, I'm not able to process information. For example, if they're at a grocery store and they are looking at various groceries and they are looking at the price tag, they can actually become disoriented at what am I looking at. They Mm -hmm. call it, this a curious new symptom that people say. They say everything seems fast. And they they cannot drive very well. They cannot stand in a mall very well. They just think everything is going so fast. So a patient told me that things had become so fast for me that I would, I would move my hands in slow motion so I can track them. Believe me, this is happening to people, and we are trying to, um, we, by the way, the healthcare authorities are trying to ignore all this by saying it doesn't happen. People are struggling with this. So um, visual problems is one. Fortunately, so far there is no study that shows that there is a optic nerve damage. Instead, there seems to be inflammatory fluctuations in the brain or the brain neurotransmitters disruptions. The second very common thing that we are seeing is tinnitus, and that is internal ear disruption and functional problems. Is that because of clotting in the microvascular or vessel swelling because of the autoantibodies present in the system or direct damage to the hair cells? that is still being figured out? But tinnitus is another very common problem nowadays. And then the mood changes depression, anxiety, fear, um, a behavior, personality behavior that is different from before. Sometimes disinhibition. Disinhibition is a, some activity in social gathering that a person should not do. They start doing it. For example, they start flirting in front of everyone with someone they should not. And that wow. would be a disinhibition.
0: And, and nobody and would think, we, uh, the way you're describing that, nobody would think that's a medical issue. You know, right yeah, away, it's behavioral, it's be, mental health.
1: Correct. And they would simply be, many of those folks might end up in uh, in trouble and many of those will be complaining. You, you can imagine that we are, as a society, very sensitive to these matters. And... A person who may actually have a illness might end up in trouble because they were just not, their brain function was just not correct. And so, neurological symptoms and depression, fatigue, um, inability to process numbers, inability to plan their days, inability to understand the events around them, that all is happening. And these folks do not have.
0: Any help? Wow, that that that's the problem, and I'm getting flooded with emails. And you know, this supersedes any policy or political question. It's just we know a lot of people need help, so at least this helps understand that when people are seeing things, they're not missing something, they're not going crazy. um, That at least we would have a baseline to know from where to start from. That hey, this is a safety signal. We are seeing it. Let's get some labs done um i mean is there any effort to privately fund some you know research on this and offer people labs because you you go to your average general practitioner and it's like it's voodoo to them they have no clue it's like when you talk about early treatment of covid and anti-inflammatories, they look at you like you're from Mars. It's like when you talk to them about cancer treatments that aren't chemo, they look at you like you're from Mars. People have nowhere to turn.
1: That is very correct. And here is the two-part answer. Number one, there are actually many studies now that are happening. For example, a few days ago, from Oxford, UK, a study came out, not about the vaccine, but for the COVID, that when COVID in Australia occurs, so the smell is disrupted, that can cause brain shrinkage because the brain function is disrupted for those areas that are connected to smell. And because if you look at animals, they smell each other. Smell is a very important part of our social and, and our, our life. So it is connected to so many centers in our brain, to personality, to emotional centers. And when the sense of smell is not working, brain size starts reducing. So the point is, there are studies that are happening. What is not happening is to pick up those studies by our healthcare authorities and say, guys, this problem is occurring. Here is the solution to this. So, here are what we are doing. Here is our research to figure out what labs, what kind of indicators are necessary, what kind of symptoms are there to alert a doctor to say, please engage following um, management. Again, this are just missing. Um, you know, the leaders are missing in action. People are just on their own. Other than if you go and walk past a leader of healthcare system, they would say take your vaccine. And if you turn around and say I got injured, they'll say it's a rare thing. <laughs> that is the tragedy. Now I want to uh, share on the neurological things because I have actually some close family members that had these things. Too. Mm. The iRecover pro- protocol has meds and if there's a doctor who's listening or a clinician who's listening, look, the first thing to do is to help improve patient's situation by reducing inflammation. Once you have reduced inflammation and patient starts feeling a little bit of themselves, then you start figuring out what are the pathologies to attack. And there are so many different pathologies that can cause it. So first information, and that may have a need for steroids, short burst, maybe for a month, two months. Then what I have seen is low-dose naltrexone works like magic.
0: Low-dose so naltrexone. Wait a minute.
1: Low-dose LDN.
0: That's been my new yeah. obsession because Dr. Cole and Dr. Urso got me into that with certain cancers. Um, we've been talking about that. And I find it amazing how the approach to inflammation really cuts across viruses, autoimmune, cancers. This is all new to me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and low-dose, I have seen it again and again, that low-dose maltrexone works like magic. And the only thing, once again, uh, sometimes when you start it, it doesn't work within one week or two weeks. I have had family members that were taking low-dose and then making fun of me to say, you used to say this should work, and I am here, it's not working. Mm. And I would say, hang in there, please continue. And six, seven months, uh, weeks into it, they would see a response like magic. And uh, now the same family members, they have actually quit LDN. But when they were quitting, they were saying, man, I wish I don't get a relapse. This drug has happened so much. So wow. LDN should be in the mind of clinicians all the time. Number one, number two, fluvoxamine should be in their mind all the time. Now, fluvoxamine, sometimes I've seen that patients, their situation becomes exaggerated. So fluvoxamine is not for everyone. So what they can do is is show a tiny dose of fluvoxamine, 10 mg or so. They can give it and see what is the response to that. If there is a better response, they continue otherwise they discontinue that. And then uh, some cases, seconds, but not all. This is, uh, uh, and of course, if you look at, I I've covered this, ivermectin in there as well. So steroids, ivermectin, uh, LDN, and these are the first set of drugs for the doctor to consider and to discuss with the patient and to tell them that we actually don't have a knowledge of what is the right medicine and we'll have to walk through various possibilities of treatment and see what works. Then in the second line, macrophage activation syndrome management or uh, and or mast cell activation syndrome management, these are, and then antihistamines. Why I specifically, Daniel, talked about it is that anyone who's listening, they may benefit from this. So I usually don't talk about uh, medicines or management.
0: But there's so many people who need this. Yeah,
1: Yeah, this is very important. And if if it was up to me, I would have taken everyone who has neurological symptoms and say, you start LDN today. But of course, it is not up to me. It's up to their doctors. But and when you say antihistamines,
0: an important... you mean things like Benadryl or Fomotidine?
1: Correct. Famotidine, Allegra, uh, Benadryl, yes. Mm. And then reducing histamine uh, diets. For example, tomatoes have a lot of Histamine, eggplants have a lot of histamine in them. So reducing the histamine. So you cannot have no histamine diet for a long t- time because histamine is almost everywhere and you'll become malnutritioned. However, for testing, you can do a couple of things and by you hear somebody who may be suffering from neurological issues like Bell's palsy or or twitching or the uh, confusion and anxiety and fear or the visual problems of the ear problems, or paresthesia, paresthesia, with abnormal sensations in the body, buzzing sensations, in the feelings in the fingers and so on. What they can do is they can try to reduce carbohydrates because carbohydrates and sweets are pro-inflammatory. Mm. So they can reduce them for a few days, a few weeks. They would not have to reduce them forever. Most of the patients that I've seen who reduce them have now slowly gotten back on them. But you have to allow the tissue to heal. This is like if your hand has an injury, you want to give a chance to hand to heal, then you use it normally again. So the carbohydrates should be reduced for some time. Histamine high diets should be reduced for some time. And once anti-inflammatory medicine should be given. Once the things come under control, then patient learns what to do, what to eat, what not to, and when to need medicine and not.
0: Wow. I mean, th- this is all this has been a real journey for me meeting some of these doctors that actually think about biochemistry, pharmacology, pathophysiology of different you know ailments. and and you put it all together, I'm starting to get a picture of what inflammation looks like, what it causes across the spectrum of maladies, anti-inflammatories, and it's funny how they tie back in with the viruses, autoimmune disorders, and cancers. And to me, what I can't sleep at night with until we turn over these stones is imagine if we had 10% of our you know, research on cancer and other things. If we just took the most vexing ailments, all these autoimmune issues that people have had in recent years, blowing up, like you said, in the Western countries, and then cancers, and you would take a list of 15, 20 really good, broad-spectrum, off-label, existing, safe drugs and run and do rcts with them (laughs) run with that yeah i would my brain can't even imagine what we would discover things like ldn and um it just it's it's such a shame and and now i understand why you find good in vitro animal maybe some human observational but you never see the large rcts published in the high impact journals um and I don't think we're going to see it. And it's, it's, it's really sad. It really is that, uh, you know, um, and, and you speak to most doctors and this is Greek to them. It's just, well, what are you talking about? I always say my, my wife had a, had a Jones fracture on her foot recently and uh, mentioned to the orthopedist, hey, should I take K2? And he looked at her and said, what's K2? And I'm thinking, he's a bone doctor. And I mean, you just Google it. It's all over there. But if it's not put on their trough, it doesn't exist. I I can't imagine with cancers, they're willing to ravage people's bodies with chemo. I'm not anti-chemo. I'm just saying they'll do it at the drop of a hat. But you have all these other drugs that have really good research as shutting off some of the, uh, you know, chemo-resistant genes in some of these cancers and different, you know, different ivermectin, even um, LDN, and some of these antifungals out there. How are we not overturning these stones? It's it's so sad. It really is.
1: I think that uh, to add to the aggravation. Uh, at least in the case of COVID, not only we are not turning these stones over, we are actually, in many cases, actively, and again, by we, the leaders, the big wigs of the system, they, these authorities are actually actively suppressing them. I just I some auditors told me that we're going to cancel you. And the... Uh, objection that they had done was about me discussing about ivermectin and the when they when I said that hey you I am teaching medicine and this is important part of medicine they still said well they'll cancel you and as part of that they said this so I said you are hurting my business and they said this is a self-inflicted harm meaning you talk about these things you brought it onto yourself so it's not even that we don't care, these authorities don't care. They are actually actively suppressing I'm... when the fish rots on the head.
0: It, it, it is shocking. From... It, it, it's just what? criminal because on the one hand, they'll do very heavy-duty things to the body, um, without dropping, you know, you know, without batting an eyelash if that's in the protocol. But then obvious things for years, like everyone else, I had low vitamin D. I met Dr. Cole, had him on the show a year and a half ago, and I got my D level from 20 to 70. This is the first spring season I could say I do not really have uh, spring allergies. I maybe feel it a drop. It used to be miserable during the month of April every year for the last 25 years. And uh, so many things I benefited. I never get colds or very rarely get them any, anymore. Um, and, and certainly so many other benefits to it. And my GP never flagged it, never flagged it for me. Um, it, it, it just. And healthcare
1: yeah. authorities, my apologies for danger. Healthcare authorities could say that fine, here are some studies that may we don't agree with them, but these are good lead ins for us to say, let's do a bigger study to rule it in or rule it out. What are they doing? They have a bunch of budget with them. And this is their job. It's not Mobile's job, or don't, I don't want to be offensive. It's not your job. It is their job. Their job is to go figure out what is good, what is next, what is, where are the, the, the clinic, you know, the horizon. In businesses, we talk about what's on the horizon is very important to understand to see where the business will be going. Similarly, for them, these are the things that are on the horizon to say, man, we should follow this thing and see what is happening. And if they don't want us to follow these rabbit holes, go to those rabbit holes, they should do it on our our behalf and say, we went down this rabbit hole for you, we found this and here is the information. We don't have that trust and relationship with them because they just drop the ball on every single step.
0: Wow. That lack of trust is, it's just devastating. And I think, I feel like it's been there for other maladies, but this was just the most obvious because between the virus, the lockdown, and then the shots, there's just so much happening at once. But, um, you know, the LDN really jolted me. I didn't know that you were going to say that, that that was a part of the treatment because I just learned about it for colon cancer, ovarian cancer. And I thought it was crazy, and I looked it up, and it's it's everywhere. It's not even it's not like it's hidden. It's just that it's never taken past that level of incipient evidence, um, strong evidence, but it's never taken to the you know the large RCT level. And now we know that's by design. And I shudder to think how many cancers, how many autoimmune diseases could be put in check at least uh, for a period of time, if not you know come closer to a cure if we actually allowed doctors to be doctors, researchers to be researchers. Um, we're out of time, but thanks for everything you're doing. Please keep us updated when you come up with more uh, discoveries. And again, it's Dr. Bean Medical Lectures at YouTube. If you're into this, if you have um, problems with long COVID, long vaccine, this is the place to go. Dr. Bean, thanks so much for your generous time, and we look forward to having you back again.
1: You are very welcome, and thank you very much for having
0: me. Take care. Well, folks, we are running on probably our longest show ever, but I just I didn't want to stop it because there was just too much good information there. Um, he is extremely measured, as you can tell, and so when he believes something is a problem, it is a problem. I think now you can understand what the religious objections are when he explained the autoimmune. It gets into your your bone marrow. Um, again, God designed for the right antibodies to go in the right places at the right time. When you sit and have this uncontrolled reaction, you can only begin to imagine what you're doing to God's design. That's one of many observations I have from that long interview. But, uh, you know, go through it. And yeah, email me if you have questions for Dr. Bean. Uh, I'll send them over. But we got to run. Till tomorrow, God bless you all. And thank you for listening.